welcome to another edition of the Sourced Week in Review. My name is Michael Crutcher and I'm joined on this April 1 by Jordan McDonald. Jordan, welcome. Hi, Michael. Into the second quarter of the year, we've finished the first quarter. Indeed. We move into the second quarter Mm -hmm. and we've got a few things to discuss today and of course we will get to the Oscars and all of that pandemonium Uh, in recent days. Just to have a bit of a look at that a few days on. But we thought we'd start today with a really interesting list that came out to do with the most popular publishers on Facebook and also the most popular articles on Facebook recently. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yep, I can. So I subscribe to Newswhip's newsletter. For anyone that's not familiar with Newswhip, they are a real-time media monitoring platform. And one of their offerings is a monthly analysis of the top publishers on Facebook. And so, as you said, they recently published their findings from February and there were some really interesting insights. So, looking firstly at the top publishers, in the list of top publishers, we know that the Daily Wire topped the list again with just over 34 million engagements during February. Now, they've been doing that month to month for quite some time. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. The Daily Mail wasn't too far behind. They were at uh, nearly 30 million. But... Beyond these top two, there are the gaps quite significant between the rest. So in third spot, BBC UK saw 16.7 engagements. Then it was the Mirror UK with 14.7 million engagements. And then after that, the rest of the lists are all sort of approximately 1 million, give or take, engagements apart. So the Daily Wire and the Daily Mail roughly are each about two times more popular than the BBC in third. Now... Mm. I know the Daily Mail does significant traffic in a lot of places, obviously, but what about for those in Australia who aren't familiar with the Daily Wire? What is the Daily Wire? The Daily Wire is an American conservative news website and media company. It was founded back in 2015 by the political commentator Ben Shapiro and uh, and the director Jeremy Boring. So they are a leading publisher on Facebook and they curate news, opinion and entertainment content including the well-known podcast, The Ben Shapiro Show. Now, Ben is pretty central to The Daily Wire. If you're unaware of Ben, he's a popular American conservative political commentator. It's quite the mouthful. (laughs) Um, But he's well-known for triggering numerous viral moments because of his strong views on various topics. And uh, social media has been immensely important to his ability to reach wide audiences, uh, as important as it's been for The Daily Wire. So why is it so popular? Because we know there are a bunch of different, uh, I guess, political um, operators who reach their target audience pretty well. Why is the Daily Wire so far above others on this Facebook list? Ben Shapiro is very central to the success of the Daily Wire. So his conservative views on various topics, they do interest uh, a wider audience. But the Daily Wire itself... They don't produce any original content. They typically recycle existing journalism uh, with a conservative slant. So this renewed version is uh, commonly referred to as outrage politics. So the Daily Wire has managed to create this perfect formula. It's a perfect system where they manage to turn consumer anger into an art form and and the recycled content into a business model. And social media, as we know, loves this sort of content 
where the comments are positive or negative, it generates incredible engagement for the Daily Wire. That's right. People so care enough to... Uh, that's it. Yeah. Such good engagement, though, that in May last year, the Daily Wire generated more Facebook engagement than the New York Times, the Washington Post, NBC News and CNN News combined. And Ben Shapiro himself actually has more Facebook followers than the Washington Post. So this is this new media we talk about all the time, isn't it? I mean, this is such a rapidly changing space and some people have done it. Well, look, I know the Daily Mail has. I'm not surprised to see the Daily Mail in there uh, just because of the way that they have their business model um, I, online. I guess their, it's their approach to online, the way that they manage to hit topics they know will engage people, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. Their, their layout, their layout is consistent and we see that layout in many other uh, news websites now. Lots of photos, lots of, uh, you know, the different, the different fonts that are used. They're not saying the Daily Mail necessarily is a pioneer of it because there's always online, you know, nothing's really mm-hmm. anyone's, uh, <coughs> anyone's um, copyright there. But Daily Mail's done it really well. So I'm not surprised at all that. Um, you know, Daily Mail we know hits on celebrity things as well. The Daily Wire gets the strength from the people who want to engage in in a similar cause to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> but it's interesting that we see these media outlets doing this sort of traffic on there because, you know, we've had for a while the, this ongoing debate about mainstream media outlets that hate Facebook and they hate Google mainly because Facebook and Google have just swallowed up so many advertising dollars yep. over the year. And these yep. were the advertising dollars that were the domain of mainstream media for so long. Let's mm. face it, if you wanted mm. to um, put a, a house ad in, a job ad, yep. you want to sell your car, you had to do it in a newspaper uh, for so long. Yeah, you did. So mm. it walked in the door and if you wanted to reach the masses, well, you did it through that or through um, um, through television mm-hmm. when there wasn't any streaming. So it's been this culture shock for these traditional media audiences to have to realise their advertising's been eaten elsewhere. But get, then again, they know they can't do without it. And like, like, look at these numbers here. So it shows that it's still... They, they need social media. They just get a bit annoyed because they can't get the profit out of it. Like They, they, they get the traffic but not necessarily the profit. But looking at these numbers, Jordan, we've spoken before on this podcast about where Facebook prioritises um, news f- news information, so from news websites in their algorithms, mm-hmm. so in the news feed that you <laughs> see. And, of course, the Facebook algorithm is a secret source, you know, it why is. you see things in different order on your news feed. You don't know why, but there's a, a reason to it. And we know that Facebook tweaked their algorithm a couple of years ago that to, to prioritise content from friends and family yes. to the detriment of mainstream media, which made mainstream media very annoyed and gave them an indication of how much they do um, rely on traffic from there. So is this a suggestion that we have seen a change in this algorithm? I think you could answer yes or no to this question for, for two reasons. Because the algorithm is secret, of course. It is, it is. Yeah. It's very secret. I would say no to start with because as far as I'm aware, the algorithm hasn't changed to favour media outlets and it certainly isn't causing platforms like the Daily Wire to see enormous engagement. But I remember when Francis Haugen's documents were leaking and one of the findings was that Facebook made people more angry. It's because 
it forced publishers to create content that was going to cause an emotional response and that's yep. our friends and family that's the biggest yeah the strongest emotional response we can get and so that's what I think is happening with media outlets like The Daily Wire. Controversial commentary guarantees some form of response from people, regardless of whether you agree or not. However, I could say yes as well, because this year the algorithm has been updated and it's going to serve you content that is meaningful and informative based on three criteria. So it's based on the sources you interact with, the types of content you interact with. So if you interact with video the most, it's going to serve you more video. And it's also going to serve you content that has seen a lot of engagements already, especially from people you're connected with on social media. Okay. So that certainly would favour some of these news outlets like The Daily Wire in that, in that case. And like you say, that the push to you know, be a bit more outrageous because it gets the engagement going, which we yeah. know that the... the social media platforms thrive on so yeah. it's a bit of edginess yeah, that's right it's um now we also saw uh in this <coughs> list uh, not just the top publishers but the top articles for the month what did the top articles uh, list include the top 15 articles uh were listed in the report and the daily wire you know assumed six of those out of the out of the 15 uh these articles typically had that political slant to them the actual the top story was Elon Musk's Starlink being used in Ukraine. Despite having the second most engagements, though, the Daily Mail only featured one story with a hero story out of Ukraine. NBCS News took second and third spot with stories on potential HIV cure and a missing four-year-old girl, and it was, that was found under the stairs. One interesting thing is that UNICEF.org featured in a 13th spot with an Omicron story titled Omicron, going to school and getting vaccinated. So generally the top 15 stories were political and for whatever reason, Elon Musk featured a handful of times. Yeah, he was in there, wasn't he? He was popular. Good to write about apparently. Yeah, I was really surprised at that. I'm not surprised at the list of uh, celebrities in there. No. Whoopi Goldberg was on that list a couple she of was. times too. She uh, was. Uh, for her work on The View television <coughs> show in the US. But again, it shows us that... You know, when I worked in newspapers, uh, I would often get shown research into what readers wanted in the print newspaper. And mm -hmm. you see, it was always so hard to know what people wanted in the print newspaper... Uh, because you didn't see them reading it. So yeah. obviously online you can actually uh, see what people click on. Mm. Um, I used to sometimes, I travelled a lot when I was an editor of a newspaper and if I got an early morning flight, I used to like to watch someone on the plane read the paper because oh, yeah. I could see what pages they paused what on, they, what stories they really took interest in. What they lent their attention yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, it was like... A little live experiment, <coughs> so I'd sit there like some sort of stalker <laughs> with a person across the aisle, <laughs> just interested in what they were yeah. stopping on, because yeah. it was the only way you could actually get those types of insights. So sorry yeah, fair, for being a, being a stalker. <laughs> and when the uh, food trolley came through, it really impacted on uh, <laughs> the the experiment. But I used to get told a lot from this research, which came from uh, researchers sitting there talking to people. Mm. I'd often get told, "Now, here's one really key takeaway from what we've heard from people." They want more world news stories. 
And they go, oh, do they? Of course they do, yeah. Because mm. they get asked by the researcher, would you like more world news stories? And yeah, they yeah, say, yeah. well, yes, I would, thank you, because <laughs> it makes them sound like they're Sounds, quite intellectual. Yeah, 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 it does. And so, you know, we might put more world news stories in, but of course people wouldn't read them as much as others. And this no. list now is the perfect example of what gets the most clicks. Exactly now, right. it's not the same for every publication, but this is a pretty good sample size here. Mm -hmm. We see celebrity... Um, being really important in that. Um, the likes of these big figures that people know. The Ukraine's in there, but the Ukraine mentions are often around sort of some celebrity thing. They're not pure what's happening in the sort of... Uh, yep. in, the, in the war as such. So... Yeah, people flock to that, so I'm not surprised. One little element there, you mentioned a story about uh, up in the top three or four about a four-year-old girl who'd been missing was found under the stairs yep. of an apartment block. Um, that's a bit of that power of the opposite. Mm -hmm. We're attracted to stories where the opposite thing happens to what we expect. So a girl goes missing, she's found years later in a strange spot. So, you know, um, that type of thing, um, well, she's not found years later, she was found in a, in a, in a spot. So... <coughs> The opposite was she was expected to be um, lost, but she's found. Yeah. So people click yep. on that. But um, are you someone, Jordan, who you think might click on some of these stories or not? What, what do you think? What, and are we different in Australia from what you see in some of the stats in Australia alone? I could see myself being tempted to click on these stories, but the headlines, they deter me a bit. But maybe that's just because I work here and I'm a bit more understanding of uh, how the headlines are constructed a bit, courtesy of you. <laughs> Uh, but, like, for example, the, the top article that the Daily Wire had, the headline read, Elon Musk praised for coming to Ukraine's rescue, pushes <laughs> a button and changes the course of history. Like, to me, that's so <laughs> over the top. And I'm more likely to read the comments for probably a summary. <laughs> and I actually think that's the case with a lot of Australians. Um, a lot of the news is behind a paywall, so people tend to default to the comments section for their peers to review and summarise the article. And I think it's actually a lot of way, that's the way a lot of Australians consume news. That or whatever is readily available on the free access sort of websites. Yeah, yeah. See, there's a really good point you make there because we're talking about these being the most popular stories, but I'm guessing that's in clicks because that's in, as in how many people <coughs> click on the stories. Now, we talk a lot in our office here about the fact that there are definitely bigger, um, well, I should say, not, not, not necessarily such, there are different markers you can use that actually tell you how important a story is. So did a whole bunch of people click on the Elon Musk story mm -hmm. thinking this is interesting and then after a, a sentence or two go, oh, this story yeah. is rubbish. And so the amount of time they spend on that story is actually not very long. Now, there could be other stories where, for instance, say someone spent 20 seconds on the Elon Musk story. Yep. Now, there could be other stories where someone might spend two minutes on that story, yep. you know, on average, mm -hmm. which is a story that really engages people. Yeah. Uh, but that might get a smaller amount of hits. Now, if you're involved in a story that's a crisis matter – and you have a story which is sort of doing, you know, big traffic on a website that's a crisis issue for your business. But if it's only getting people engaged for 20 seconds, yeah. it's not it's really not such a, a not big a deal. Not a big worry, not as much. No, but if you're getting a story that involves, you know, a business that you're in and it's a crisis one and you've got people on there for two minutes, really you've got yourself a problem. Yeah. Now, how you actually 
find out that data is very, very difficult. You just don't go and find that data alone. I mean, you need to have uh, industry insights and contacts to get some steers on that. But yep. don't always judge these stories in terms of their engagement level on those hits alone. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Elon Musk, he's got himself uh, – he's obviously someone that people engage with, but there would have been a whole bunch of stories, I reckon, last in that last month there – that were very impactful, but just not as popular. I, I, I agree with you there. Now, speaking of stories that um, uh, are popular and engaging, well, there's been one story this week that everyone has had some sort of knowledge of. Jordan, take it away. The Oscars. What was supposed to be another slow burn Oscar ceremony instead created the biggest viral moment of the year so far. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock quickly became the talk of the world, particularly as the unedited clips began surfacing on the internet. So I actually had a group chat with some friends and someone someone shared one of the earlier edited videos which didn't have the audio of Will. I thought, oh, this is a skit. Chris has got a a world tour coming up for his comedy. I thought this made sense to me. But uh, I then saw the unedited clip where Will's screaming at Chris from his seat and uh, suddenly it was very serious. And I thought it paired well because Chris's reaction afterwards was stunned. It was awkward. Yeah. yeah. So a massive moment was born out of that. So big that actually 4.9 million interactions were recorded on publications related to the incident on, uh, online, which actually eclipsed the articles published documenting the Ukraine conflict, which only had 3.3 million interactions. So this week... On those numbers, roughly 50% more numbers on a celebrity stoush at the Oscars than what's happening in the Ukraine. Yeah, it's exactly right. And and the twist with Will and this Chris situation keeps evolving. You know, the internet doesn't forget. There's been footage of Will that surfaced from years back of him making a joke to a a member on a TV show who had alopecia. And that was the sort of the soft touch point of of the joke. Um, so the internet's tracked that down. The internet has tracked it down. The internet never forgets. And then, you know, the Academy's released a statement saying they did ask Will to leave and then his party saying, well, no, we weren't actually told to leave. So <laughs> it's just continually evolved. But the winner clearly here is Chris Rock, who's about to embark upon a fantastic world tour. <laughs> it's going to be fan- it's gonna be brilliant for him. It's Coming to Brisbane as well. Yes. So he's got some good earned media there rather than mm. bought media. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, look, you know, we discussed Oscars before and I still come back to the do we care about the Oscars much anymore. Um, so I guess the fact that it was such a big deal this week, but again, it came from an unscripted moment. Yeah. This, was an un- it was, this wasn't a planned moment. This wasn't the Oscars saying, hey, we're going to turn this on. And, you know, this came from a pretty crappy joke and a very big uh, response to that crappy joke. Yeah, I honestly thought it was a skit initially because the Oscars has been struggling and there was articles prior talking about how desperate they were for viewers (laughs) this year. The Far East, are we this desperate, you know? A slap. We discussed it in the office on Monday. We thought it was initially that, but it turns out it wasn't. But I I just wonder if we've moved on from the Oscars. I mean, again, the Oscars are a great example of how the media world's changed because there used to be a time when the Oscars would be shown... Uh, on a uh, Monday in Australia, but you couldn't watch the, you couldn't the watch coverage live. until night. That's yeah, right. Yeah. There was no live coverage. They came on at night mm. on whatever channel at like eight thirty. Yep. 
Yep, which seems like a prehistoric era where you had to <laughs> wait till roughly 12 hours afterwards to watch the Oscars. And that is probably one of the great examples of the power not belonging to the consumer. The power belonged to the broadcaster who said, hey, we'll show the Oscars when we're good and ready. Yep. And I remember there were sometimes people who in Australia who had links to the Oscars, maybe family members of actors or other people, who would be allowed <laughs> to go into the Channel 9 studio and sit there and watch the live feed mm-hmm. like they went behind some big uh, velvet curtain <laughs> to uh, see the whole thing. So yep. that is a great example of how the Oscars have changed uh, in terms of the... The broadcast, the, I guess the consumer world changing, but mm-hmm. I think the times have changed rapidly. The Oscars haven't changed with it. I'm just not sure where the Oscars go from here. Um, but hey, if they keep throwing up unscripted moments like that, um, then you know <laughs> we're going to keep talking about <laughs> the Oscars. I might have to watch. <laughs> That's right. Another There's walloping. Be something there, but yeah. Um, as knows. someone says, the third hour of the Oscars uh, mm. is when you enter the zone where you really try to stay awake. But this time. It was uh, keeping everyone uh, yes. up and moving. Now, on the topic of movies, given we're talking talking about Oscars, any good movies to watch this weekend? I last night watched The Power of the Dog. It was oh, you up, did watch up, it? Yeah, it was up for a couple yeah. of nominations in the Oscars, and I thought it was alright actually. Benedict was good, okay. um, but I do want to watch Coda this weekend because it won Best Picture. Yes, and. The Oscars is good for one thing for me is I'm just hearing about movies that have been out that I had no idea about. Because <laughs> it's amazing how many I miss. So yeah. I'm going to give Coda a look this weekend. Okay, off a small budget too, and it, uh, it, it won. So that's good to know. Um, mm-hmm. So if you watched um, movie last night, that means you didn't watch the NRL game, which included... The Gold Coast Titans. I saw the highlight. Didn't watch it though. Yeah, there Don't many, think I missed much though. There weren't many highlights, <laughs> but there, there, there was a Gold Coast Titans, their halfback by the name of Will Smith. Mm. So oh. what a week to be in a primetime no game when you're called Will Smith. And of course, it makes it difficult for commentators mm. to avoid some little comparisons there after all that's happened this week. Um, well... Look forward to hearing about your review of Coda, what it's like. Thanks. Um, Have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week. Sounds good. good.